Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. everyone happy christmas to you not long to go now until the big day Uh, in a moment we're going to read a psalm together it's a really simple way of reflecting on what christmas is really all about it's actually a psalm i'm going to guess most of us have never heard a sermon on before i know that i haven't consider it a christmas surprise before we read it though bit of background to the christmas story It's always surprising to me that in all of the Gospels, there are only 39 verses about the birth of Jesus. Mark and John's Gospel don't really talk about it at all. So 39 verses is everything Matthew and Luke have to say about this event that's now a global cultural phenomenon. 39 verses. And one of the things we learn in those verses is the gifts that the wise men, the Magi, brought to the child Jesus. Probably not at his birth, more likely a short while later, but nonetheless they gave gifts to Jesus the child. Now I'm going to guess most of us know the symbolism behind these gifts, but in case anyone doesn't, here's some background that will be helpful to the psalm that we read in a few moments time. The first two gifts that Jesus received would not have been much of a surprise to the first readers of this story. Gold, well, that's the gift that you give to a king. Jesus is going to be a king. Frankincense, well, that's beautifully fragrant and was used by priests in the temple. It's a sign that Jesus is going to be a priest as well. And these two roles, the king and the priest, well, they kind of embodied everything the Jews were hoping for in their coming Messiah, in their coming saviour. Jesus was going to be a king who would rule and reign an amazing kingdom and a priest who would connect people to God. The problem was these two terms, king and priest, had been thoroughly contaminated by the surrounding cultures of the day. The idea of a king was wrapped up in notions of dictators and armies who rule by command and force. And any notion of a priest was wrapped up in ideas of huge temples and religious control and laws and judgments to make people behave a certain way. So at the time of Jesus's birth, all the hopes in a coming saviour for the average man on the street, well, they were wrapped up in a king priest, but in the wrong kind of king priest. And because of that, most people ended up missing Jesus completely. Cheesy link to our day. 2,000 years later, maybe we are not so different. Maybe our ideas of hope and faith and salvation have been contaminated by the surrounding culture as well. A few weeks ago, the world lost, in my opinion, one of the greatest leaders of my lifetime at least. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs was the most amazing and insightful writer and speaker. His last book, Morality, uh, I think is absolutely stunning. And one of the simple points he makes in that book is we're all chasing happiness. We all want to be happy deep down. And yet happiness, of course, he says, is really bad for business. Happiness is bad for the market. Happiness is bad for the economy. Because if I'm happy, if I think I've got all I need right now, I'm going to stop fueling the market with more and more purchases for things that I hope will make me happy. And of course, the market knows this. And so the surrounding culture bombards us with messages that we are not happy. 
that we need more. That happiness is just around the corner. Buy this product, enjoy this experience, and then we will be happy. Could it be that the surrounding culture has contaminated our ideas of what we really need in life? Maybe, metaphorically speaking, we are looking for the wrong kind of king priest, the wrong kind of saviour too. And so maybe, just like so many others, we can end up missing Jesus as well. Perhaps here I can, for a moment, refer to the great philosophical work that is the movie Bruce Almighty. If you've watched the film, you know that Bruce is a guy for whom everything is going wrong. Uh, Life is not turning out the way that he wants, and he is mad, and he is asking big questions of God. As an aside, I think all of Bruce's questions or versions of them are already found in the Bible. In fact, I'm yet to find a single argument against God from the new atheists or anyone else for that matter that's not already in some form found in the pages of Scripture. And of course, one application for us is that means it is totally okay for us to come to God with difficult and painful questions. Church should be a safe place where we can air those questions, especially after a year like this. But as angry Bruce comes to God, God, who's played by Morgan Freeman, responds by giving Bruce everything that he wants. He's the king priest, the saviour we think we all need. He gives Bruce the job, the house, the car, the success. Bruce gets it all, but of course it doesn't resolve the unhappiness in his heart. It reminds me of a book by a lady called Marianne Power called Help Me. Uh, In it, the author describes how at a very low point in her life, she sets aside a huge amount of time, turns out to be 15 months in total, to live her life according to a whole load of classic self-help books. She reads them all, does exactly what they tell her to do. At the end of 15 months of self-help, she writes how her debts had grown, her productivity had plummeted. She was a stone heavier than when she started. She admitted that she became irresponsible, selfish and deluded and worst of all for her, fell out with one of her best friends. She discovered, just like Bruce did, that living for self, getting everything we want for Christmas is not the answer to our deepest pain and longings. Since when do people really know what's best for them? Morgan Freeman says, I think he probably has a point. The idea of a saviour, a king priest, so contaminated by the surrounding culture is not what is best for us. And if our hopes for 2021 are wrapped up in ourselves or something akin to that, well, just like so many others, we will end up missing the life of God. We'll end up missing Jesus too. But gold and frankincense are not the only gifts that Jesus the child receives. Along comes gift number three, the gift that no one expected, the gift of myrrh. Also beautifully fragrant, but used in ancient cultures to embalm dead bodies. In other words, it's as if the Magi, the wise men, are telling Mary and Joseph, you're going to need this one day. This child is going to die. If this is not a prophetic act, this is like the worst baby shower present ever. You see, this child might be a king priest, but he's a king priest who's going to die. Nobody saw that coming. Jesus is going to be a king and a priest, but the problem is he's not going to look like either. He'll be a king without an army and a sword. 
He'll be a priest without robes who mingles with the poor and those on the outside and who loves unconditionally some very questionable people and who doesn't try and control everyone. And this king priest is going to lay his life down. So when Jesus comes along and breaks every stereotype going, this saviour king priest who lays his life down, the first Christians had to totally reconfigure their idea of who the Messiah was and what he'd come to do. Now, of course, they didn't have the Bible as we have it today. The New Testament was still to be written. But what they did have was the Old Testament, the the Hebrew scriptures. And so what they did was they would pour through them, including the Psalms, studying them intently to find out what did we miss? Let's find hints of this suffering saviour. It turns out one of their favourite Psalms, one of their favourite scriptures was Psalm 110. Some would say it was their favourite. It's quoted or alluded to 15 times in the New Testament. It's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament of all. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, I can never find a picture of him smiling. You can see him on the screen. He says this psalm is the main psalm to deal with Jesus. We'll put the verses on the screen. Uh, I won't read them all, but you'll be able to see very quickly there's loads of king and priest imagery there. Before Jesus, that's all that people really focused on. They read lines about mighty scepters and enduring priesthoods, and they just expected this descendant of David would come, this great warrior king, just like the kings of all the other nations, and destroy their enemies and rule a kingdom where they get everything they want, just like Bruce did. And so because that's what they're expecting, when they miss read this, they missed Jesus. Well, Jesus ends up quoting this psalm a week before his death. Matthew, Mark and Luke's gospel all record it. He asks a bunch of religious people, a bunch of Pharisees, he says, whose son will the Messiah, will the saviour be? And they confidently respond, well, we know the prophecies. He'll be a descendant of David. He'll be in the royal line. He'll be a mighty king. Jesus replies by saying this, well, if he's just going to be David's son, David's descendant, and that's it. Why does David, the author, open this psalm by saying the Lord, that's God, says to my Lord, David's Lord. In other words, the saviour who's going to come, he's not just going to be any old descendant of David. He's also going to be David's Lord. He's going to be God himself. What's interesting to me here is the Pharisees had probably read this psalm hundreds, if not thousands of times before. They had never seen that before. So familiar with these words, and yet they missed Jesus completely. And it says from that point on, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. They were silenced. Some of the cleverest people around, so familiar with these words, and they missed the most important point. And therein goes a warning for all of us. We might be amazingly clever, hugely comfortable with all our preconceived ideas of what church and faith and Jesus are all about, and we could miss Jesus the king priest who lays his life down completely. So how is God, how is David's Lord actually going to come? Well, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible, I'm a huge fan of his work. He loves this psalm. And he points out that all these grand metaphors of kings and priests, they're linked together by what he calls his favourite line in the psalm, verse 3. It's actually very hard to translate. Uh, Different translations word it differently. When he actually preached on this, he came up with this translation. Thou art my son, born like dew before the day star rises. He says there's some Christians as they were pouring through the Bible, trying to find hints 
of the suffering saviour. They looked at this verse and amidst all these grand metaphors of kings and priests, they saw the birth of Jesus from the womb of Mary coming like dew. You know, I think dew is the most beautiful metaphor for the birth of Jesus. You know, you walk out in the morning and if you see dew, you're like, how did that get there? There was no rainfall. There was no thunderstorm. It's just somehow there. It's a virgin birth. Peterson says this, dew is inconspicuous. It is uncontaminated. It comes without pretension, easy not to notice, especially if you were looking for substantial rainfall. King and priest are large, dominating metaphors. Mary's womb brings something quite different, unspoiled intimacy and tenderness. The splendour of a king and holiness of a priest are now fused in the early morning birth of a child. Jesus comes like dew. Life and refreshment that we can so easily miss. One person we quote at Christchurch from time to time is a guy called Brother Lawrence. He actually worked in a monastery in Paris in the 1600s, wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God, still a bestseller 400 years later. It was said of him that he would shy away from going on like religious retreats, spiritual retreats, because he just found God in the everyday aspects of life, sweeping floors, washing up, menial chores. You know, he'd be doing the washing up, for example, and think, oh, Jesus kind of served me this way. And oh, suddenly there's God in the midst of it all. At his funeral, it was said in his eulogy, the good brother found God everywhere. You see, that's the thing with dew. When you walk out in the morning, it's really easy to miss it. But once you spot it, you realise, oh goodness, this is everywhere. It kind of made me think that maybe this Christmas, Jesus is really hard to spot. But once you realise where he is, you realise, oh goodness, He's everywhere. The life of God is actually all around us. You know, we all know the focus of this Christmas season is going to be centred on the food, the gifts, the lights, modern versions of gold and frankincense, the sights and smells that we think will make us happy this Christmas. But maybe the life of God is found amidst the myrrh, laying self down, not thinking about self at all. Perhaps the life of Jesus is found in sacrificing for others and in service, in soup kitchens and night shelters, in a kind word or the offer of prayer. Maybe the life of God is found in looking in on a neighbour or giving generously to those in need, maybe even giving to the charities that we are supporting this Christmas. London Cares for the Elderly and the Big Kid Foundation for Young People, two of the groups most affected by all that has happened this year. The power of the kingdom of Jesus is really hard to spot, especially amidst the lights and noise of the festive season. But just like you, once you notice it, you realise, oh goodness, it's everywhere. Which brings me back to Bruce Almighty for a moment. If you've watched the film, you'll know the movie gets a lot wrong about God, but it does get this right. If we want to find God and draw near to him, We have to end up mopping floors with him. Which leads me to the main point of this talk. It's really simple. It's just this. Let's be careful. We don't miss Jesus this Christmas. Amidst the busyness, amidst the noise of all of this year's headlines, maybe even wanting to cocoon away from it all, amidst the gifts and the festivities, let's remember where the power and life of Jesus is really found. Less amidst the gold and frankincense, 
much more amidst the myrrh, he comes like dew. Those Pharisees, they'd come to Psalm 110. Hundreds, thousands of times, they'd missed the most important point. Maybe that's our story with Christmas. We've come to it again and again and again. And we've missed what it's really all about. May that not be the case this year. And let me finish with a final promise. You see, one of the reasons those early Christians loved Psalm 110 was, in some ways, it's a snippet of God talking to Jesus, the Lord, God talking to Jesus, David's Lord. And so part of what Psalm 110 is about, the reason they loved it, is this is God promising his son that as you come like you, as you lay your life down, I will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. In other words, your kingdom will impact the whole of creation. Your priesthood will never end. Those other kingdoms won't be able to stand against the one that you build. I think it's time for a quote from Lord of the Rings. I've not done one for a while. I think with this quote, you've now had the entire trilogy in quote form in the sermons over the last 15 years of doing Christchurch. This is a quote that comes at a really low point in the story. Darkness is everywhere. And then Tolkien writes this. There, peeping among the cloud, above a dark tor high up in the mountain, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. For the first time in days, Sam curled up into a deep, untroubled sleep. He once again had the strength to endure. That's kind of the effect that these verses had on those first Christians, because they realised as Jesus has come like to you, his life is going to impact all of creation and all the darkness in the world will pass away like shadow. His sacrifice will impact all of creation. The challenges of this year will pass. His kingdom will never end. Jesus comes like dew. I want to finish by praying for us to that end. I want to pray that we would not just know the life and refreshment of Jesus like to you in this moment, but actually throughout the Christmas season. Maybe for a moment you want to close your eyes and imagine the Christmas that's ahead for you. I want you to imagine the life of God settling upon all of that like to you. And I want to pray in even the most ordinary moments of every day, just like Brother Lawrence, we would find Jesus there. Hard to spot, but actually everywhere if we look for him. Let me pray for us now. Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you to come. And open our eyes to where you are really found. Less amidst the gold and the frankincense and more amidst the myrrh in the laying down of our lives. I want to ask as we bring our lives to you, warts and all, that you would settle upon us like dew. Refresh us where we're weary. Give us hope where we feel in despair or deflated. Comfort us where we are hurt or disappointed. Come, Holy Spirit, rest upon us like you, not just in this moment, but throughout the Christmas season. Through the good, through the bad, through the indifferent, may we know your presence, O Lord. Holy Spirit of God, come upon us like you now we pray. And I pray this not just for our own sake, 
But I want to pray that the dew of God would be upon our lives to such an extent that it would bless those around us, that in the ordinary and the everyday, we would be imparters of the life of God to those around us. That we'd look up and realise all the darkness in the world, it will pass away like shadow. Your kingdom will never end. As we sing now, come refresh us. Help us to connect with you. May we know the refreshment of the dew of God upon us now. And throughout the coming weeks, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.